Hey guys, a massive welcome to you and uh, really looking forward to um, giving you this uh, update for this week ending the uh, 26th of November. So what I've been doing is uh, doing a bit of a weekly update and um, posting here on LinkedIn and also a couple of other places on my social media and also my podcast, which is called The Million Dollar Scale Up. So wherever you're listening from, I really want to welcome you here and I try to keep these to about 15 to 20 minutes. So the whole idea is to kind of give a bit of a recap on what we've been doing here with uh, what I call the RE framework, which is a framework which I put together to help business uh, business owners succeed. And in this episode, I'll be sharing a few details about some some changes we've made to the kind of like the overall focus of what we're doing here, which I think um, is going to help tremendously. So let's get started. And so just want to start off by mentioning that, you know, you probably don't know me, you probably don't know very much about my background or anything. And you're probably wondering, you know, why am I even doing this? Where did I come from? And in fact, many people that I work with uh, are often interested about my own story, like where, like what happened? How come you're doing this? And so I'm going to be doing, I'll be sort of like sharing some deeper dives into my story, but just the cliff notes, I suppose, is that, you know, this has been a 20 year journey from corporate through to building two companies. And probably the most significant thing in this, apart from the learning about, you know, the technicals and how to get stuff working was the the difficulties in actually like realizing that in fact, at some point, and this was very this was very, let's say, you know, it's, it's a sad sort of like, for me, it was a very sad outcome for these two companies that we started because they worked. We worked incredibly hard to make those work. But the twist, the real twist and the sort of like, you know, the, the kind of the real fly in the ointment in the whole thing was the betrayals. And uh, I don't want to try to like sort of, you know, <laughs> you know, paint a, a gory picture unnecessarily. But and this is where I think the you know, it's going to be really interesting for anybody to tune in and listen to how those stories developed. How did those companies get started? How I teamed up with those particular co-founders, how they then kind of like manipulated the situation to their advantage and the outcome, which was like a bit of a mess. Uh, although the companies, you know, succeeded in, in their own way. Uh, the first one actually got sold uh, to a company, the public company that then got acquired by GoDaddy. So there were some successes in terms of like, you know, what, what, what happened with those companies, but they could have been so much more. And these betrayals and the kind of like the things that happened on the way are the reason why they didn't work better than they did. Right. And so that is the key point here. So if you are listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I want to start a company, I want to do something like this. Most people make this like fundamental mistake that they you know, assume that because they've got a good idea and that they can find maybe the first investor or something, that it's all going to work. And I think the story that I would share with you would tell you that there are many, many reasons. It's actually very little to do with the product, very little to do with the concept, very little to do with the market. It's very much to do with, you know, the people and the characters who are involved. And it's so complicated that, you know, you may not even have the awareness to know, to be able to differentiate between whether something is going to work or not. And it's only probably by going through that experience a number of times can you start to see the, the, the reasons why some of these things go the way they do. So keep, you know, stay tuned here because I'm going to like work on this a bit in terms of the storyline, exactly how it happened and be able to present this in a way that is, uh, you know, makes sense and is sort of like useful uh, learning. So 
let's cover the, the real kind of like core of what we what I do here on these weekly things is to talk about the short form videos that I've been posting during the week. So I just cover like a real recap on that because they provide some context for the kind of like things that we're doing here. And then I'll tell you a little bit about the, you know, where I want to go with the R3 framework overall. And hopefully that will resonate with you in terms of, you know, what you are working on, even if you are an established company and you've got services in the marketplace, you've got, you know, um, maybe some sort of product or service in the marketplace, or if you're just starting out, or if you uh, have a few other sort of like uh, things that you're working on. So uh, regardless of where you are in the cycle, this is going to be helpful for you, I'm very, very sure. So one of the first things I covered last week was, you know, what you want changes very rapidly. And what I was really talking about there was the fact that, you know, you th at the beginning, you think that something might take a year to get done, right? You, you launch something in the market, and then you're kind of like growing that business, and you're getting on with your life. It doesn't very it doesn't work like that, right? It's a it's a real investment. Whatever you do, even if you're in an established company and you're trying to launch a project, unless you've got you know a large team and you're trying to get something done in a one in one year time frame, which is realistic in a large company, but then you'll be on to the second thing in, in the second year. But let's stick to the idea that you're trying to launch some products into the marketplace. The fact is, you know, what you want personally is going to change rapidly. So let's say you think something's going to take a year and then it actually takes five years or it actually takes seven years. Well, what you personally want out of life and everything that you're doing is going to change during that period of time. And secondly, actually, the 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 thing that you are launching into the market and the way the consumer is kind of responding to that is going to change as well. And so you've got this sort of like you know these multiple variables in the in the you know in the equation here in the situation that's happening. And this is something that you really need to pay attention to. So when I see business plans or I see pitch decks and so on. I don't see anything related to the fact that, you know, in other words, people have not taken into account this timeline of problem, this challenge about how, you know, what people are actually focused on and how that's going to change over time, because that is going to make a massive difference to the overall result. So here are some tips in terms of like, you know, what I would recommend you really focus on, and this could really apply to anybody, is first of all, you've got to keep moving really, really fast or you're going to get left behind. That's number one. You know, there's no there's no time to delay. There's no time to sort of like, you know, relax in this process. You've got to be able to manage your time and discipline so that you can really keep moving very fast. Secondly, you know, it's the consumer needs that are most important. And that is your business compass in terms of, you know, what they need. Too many people focus on what they think the market needs and uh, they come unstuck as a result. Thirdly, your personal development in terms of how you evolve is very, very important because it, unless you do that, unless you keep expecting to evolve you will either kind of like hit a wall or you will like sort of go down a dead end or you will get frustrated or you will you know you will you will be kind of like angry at the world because it didn't work and so you must realize that things are going to keep changing and your personal development is is the key thing that needs to be you know under you know changing as a result otherwise you will just you will either go through that frustration process i just mentioned or you will just fade away, right? Or you will just like have to succumb to doing something that you didn't, didn't, didn't really want to do in the end. Number four, look, data. It's all about data in terms of getting something going these days. I and mean, we have all this access to data. And so you need to embrace that. You need to figure out ways to get data, to monitor things, to get help through things, AI tools, whatever it is. But data is your kind of like real catalyst to be able to make things work.
Number five, innovation is not a choice, but a but an absolute lifeline now. You know, unless you are innovating, unless every single day you're thinking, how can you improve the thing? How can you improve the situation? What is it that we're doing? And how can we do that 10x better? You know, you, you're going to get left behind, like I said at the beginning. Number six, expect to pivot, right? Now we're in this situation where you could be working on something for a couple of years or m- many years, and then you could find actually that the market has moved or something or something's changed considerably, and you have to pivot the entire thing to keep up. Obviously, this would not be the case if you're really, you know, in the global market already, and you know, that would be a pivot like that would be like moving the Titanic. But let's say you are anyway sort of like in an early stage up to 10 million a year, you know, you're going to have to be nimble about what you're doing to the point where you can pivot. Um, and one of the key things there, I think, is that you don't want to get so emotionally attached to the specific thing that you figured out and you've been working on and you're trying to make it work, right? That If you get too attached to that very specific thing, you can't change, right? Because what's going to happen is you, the market's telling you you need to move, but you're still attached to that that first thing. So this is an important thing. This is This is a... This is hard. It's hard to monitor yourself in terms of that. This is where external people can really help you to sort of like, you know, self-reflect and to see where you're going with something. Uh, But obviously that has to be done in a very sort of like careful way. And finally, number seven in this short list is to embrace change, plan ahead, innovate or be left behind. Maybe I'm repeating some of the things I mentioned. So that was on Monday. Tuesday, I really talked about, you know, your mission and a mission statement and you know, which which I think is very easy to like see the, the the formula for a mission statement. But my my point there on Tuesday was to say, don't write that mission statement or or rewrite that mission statement now when you've thought about three really important things. Number one, your value exchange. What is it you are exchanging in terms of value to your customer for what you're looking for back in terms of monetary gain? Right. Number one. Secondly, who do you serve exactly? And I think. One of the things that I am observing most, you know, so much now is that it's very, it's very easy to say, yeah, we know who we serve, but actually you really don't. And again, this is one of these things where if you get some external help to reflect on that, you know, people can sort of grill you on that and, and sort of like challenge you on those ideas about who you serve. You might find that actually you're, you've, there's a big gap, like you're actually playing in the wrong market. I mean, it can easily be the case. And then thirdly, you've got to have a clear message. And I keep saying this probably like every other week, but your primary promise, your what I call a million dollar message has to be crystal clear. Exactly what is it you offer? And, you know, can someone understand that in a very, uh, in, a, in one concise sentence? So that was Tuesday. But on Wednesday, I talked about how actually I kind of ended up sort of like working on, you know, in terms of coaching and sort of like, you know, with a support program and developing this framework a little bit by chance, because actually I was invited to speak at some events and it was really because people from the audience kind of came to me afterwards and said hey you've been you've been there down that path before you know love to talk to you about this and that and this kept happening and it finally realized that you know there was such a big need for people who had you know sort of like you know aspirations to do something and they were stuck or they were like confused and they needed to be able to work through this stuff and so that's kind of why I ended up doing this and I must say I really enjoy it I really love sort of like working with people who are trying and who are trying to get stuff working and of course, if I can identify gaps in their thinking or if I can see, see, you know, sort of like, you know, potential pitfalls in the direction they're going and we can discuss that, that is an, that is an incredible bonus. That's a big boon to the conversation. And it really sort of like, you know, lights the whole thing on fire, actually. Thursday, I really talked about the, the one thing I wish I'd done when starting a business with co-founders. And that is very simply, and maybe I should preempt it by saying, you know, that the the challenges that I faced through this and the betrayals that I mentioned at the beginning of this you know, talk here 
could have been avoided if I had done this one thing. And that one thing would have been to have my own lawyer, right? And many of you, if you've been in business for any time, you know that this is so true. But most people who are starting out do not think that. They trust their co-founders. They think that, you know, you know, by having a lawyer, having a big name lawyer, you know, attached to the company is all you need. But it's not the case at all. It's like, it's like the the opposite from the truth. It's like it's so so it's such a misleading kind of notion. And as a co-founder, you are so susceptible to the kind of like, you know, with thing, when things get going well, if it goes straight, if it goes absolutely in a straight line from sort of like launch all the way through to IPO, let's say, right, you, then you're okay because actually the lawyers have got that covered. They've thought about that, that you know, and everyone has ordinary stock, and they just you know that, that all becomes the same class of stock in the end. But if something doesn't work like that, then you have all sorts of things that can go wrong in the process. And it's not just about like how much stock you have. It's also about your standing in the company, how how much other people in the team are going to betray you, how they're going to take advantage of you, exploit you, how they are going to you know adjust stuff to their benefit, depends on their position in the company, voting rights, board positions, all sorts of things that you know, in, impact that. And so you must get a lawyer. So that's my really key point there. And then on Friday, I talked about finding product market fit and three really important things I think there, which is about validation, first of all, in terms of what you're doing, uh, which a lot of people kind of like overlook. People go rapidly into product and launch and they don't really validate that this is actually the market or the opportunity that is the best use of their time. Secondly, having that MVP, but mostly I, what I think there. And so the MVP is almost like a bit of a red herring in actual fact, because what's more important than the actual MVP is the offer. And I said this, you know, every other week or so on this as well, that the offer is the most important thing that you're doing and how that offer resonates with people, how you test that offer in a small sample of audience and get that feedback and get that deep knowledge insight as to whether that offer is the right thing is the key thing. And that's what people are not doing enough, you know, most people, it's, it's extraordinary, actually, how much internal, you know, brainstorming can take place in terms of, you know, what it is you offer, but how little, actually, you know, actually getting out there and knocking on doors and talking to people and reviewing things and getting feedback is taking place, right? So there's this complete uh, mismatch. It's like, a, it's like 99% on the internal kind of like thinking process and maybe 1% on the external kind of like getting feedback. And so... You've got to really either flip that or, or at least balance it out so that you have a really good understanding of what people really need. And that's where an MVP comes in. It, you know, an MVP today, in today's market, you could, you could create an MVP, which is actually highly scalable in, in literally a day or two days or something. So that's not the difficult part. The technical piece of creating that MVP is not difficult. It's very, very easy. And all software companies will tell you that right now. They can knock something up rapidly. That could scale to literally a million users. <laughs> you know, these these technologies are so incredible today, which is a far cry from where it was 20 years ago. Uh, so that's second. And thirdly is to have patience and conviction. So if you've, you know, you can put something out there, and you know, one of the things I see often is people put something out there and then they change it because they didn't really think it's working, but actually they haven't really promoted it or or given it enough time or, you know that patience and also that kind of like commitment to, you know, of their own commitment that that is the right answer based on what they're doing. And so that's the third thing. So those are all the, all the short form videos that I covered last week, uh, quite a lot of stuff, obviously some good kind of like, I, I think these are great. You know, for me, these are, these are personally amazing. It's an amazing tool to 
create a short form video and post it out because it kind of like forces you to think about that particular topic, forces you to script it a little bit, forces you to talk about it. Oh, these are only one and a half minute videos, so very short. A couple, a couple of them are maybe two minutes or longer, but very short. And so that, you know, you, you have to concentrate that knowledge information into a very short kind of like, you know, presentation. Uh, but these are very good because they kind of like, they make you also think about what you're doing in a very a good way. However, it did lead to uh, my next point, which is around TikTok, because I, I've been driving everything off TikTok. So I post to TikTok and it kind of like publishes out to all the other platforms. Um, but unfortunately, TikTok kind of like said, hey, you are infringing on a community guideline. And uh, so then it asks you to, it basically blocks, you know, it basically stops that video from posting. Uh, then it says you can appeal. So I appealed. And then the next day, the same thing happened again. And neither of those, you know, came back. So, uh, you know, I didn't get a response on either of those appeals. And the way TikTok guidelines work is that, you know, if you if it's like three strikes and you're out. So I haven't posted a third video like, in the, you know, after that, I haven't posted another video after those two. Uh, and I'm still waiting for that appeal to come back. If it's ever going to come back, I have no idea. I have no way of knowing if it's going to come back. It's not like they give you a ticket number. It's not like they give you an update daily by email or something. Nothing. You just hear nothing. All you do is like you appeal and you just wait. And so what I want to say here is that. So what I did actually in the end was I switched to Instagram as my prime driver. So now I post to Instagram and actually it publishes out to all the other platforms. So I kind of had a bit of a workaround in that sense. And my TikTok account is just like, you know, idle at this point in time. And so my key point there would be as you start to do this stuff, make sure you are kind of like omnipresent, right? That you are on all platforms because you don't know which of these platforms are going to shut you down or it's going to like block your account. I mean, I think it was like, a month and a half ago, two months ago, my Facebook account got hacked and it got stopped and I couldn't get in for like, I don't know, three or four weeks. I was trying to, you know, get them to open up that account again. So that happened on Facebook. Now this happened on TikTok. So don't depend only on one platform, please, because, you know, you hear this a lot. People say, oh, just do this one, just, 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 uh, you know, master one platform and then do the others. Well, look, it, this can work, but it doesn't work if, uh, you know, the, if that particular uh, platform you know, blocks you or shuts you down for some reason or you or takes your account away, right? It's going to be a problem. So I would say cover your cover your downside on that and be make sure you're everywhere in one form or the other because you, you have no idea what's going to happen there. So just a couple of points to wrap up here. And my, a key point actually about in terms of what I'm doing with this with R3 now is that what I have ascertained really through this is that you know the, the framework that we put together which is really about you know cash flow and funding offers attraction marketing what i call revenue acceleration which is really about operational design or redesign and then like platform and mastery so it's like all aspects of the business as you launch this into the marketplace but one of the things i found is that it's it's broad and it kind of like you know you've got a lot of specialist kind of like people focused on different angles but what I found is that the common thing, two, two things I think I found through this is that number one, the DNA of this, like why did I create this framework is because my first company that we co-founded was actually what's called a managed service provider. And what that means is that, you know, you, you create a service and you offer it into the market, you offer it to companies. And this is actually one of the fastest growing kind of business models out there today. I mean, it comes in, comes under the remit of cloud and hosting and this is now actually a $300 billion market. So when we started, it was zero 20 years ago, and now it's a $300 billion market, but it's still growing incredibly fast. In fact, it's one of the highest demand things of all enterprises to get managed service provider services to, to offer you know, technical technology solutions on a 
on a service-based or usage-based um, basis, right? So this is actually an MSP framework at, at its core. And so, so that's number one. So I'm going to be refocusing my kind of like prom promotional activities towards the MSP market a lot, which is actually right now apparently about 150,000 companies that are classified as MSPs. Uh, again, 20 years ago, that was zero. Now it's 150,000 companies globally. Um, so that's number one. Secondly, um, to think about this framework on in in terms of brands, and I find this fascinatingly interesting because as a brand, you have a lot, or you have a product of some sort, maybe a physical product, could be you know, could be any kind of what well, doesn't matter what kind of product, but anyway, you got a physical product. Now the thing is, the where this framework kind of helps with that is the fact that it's not just about the product, right? It's not like you go to a brand site and you say, hey, there's where you can get this like, you know, skincare cream or you can get this fashion product or you can get something else. You, it's not a commodity like that. It's actually so much about the brand. So there's branding. There's like, you know, that so which is all about the kind of like, you know, feeling you get about that company and, and other things. But so much now over the next five years is going to be about the service that you get from that particular company. And so that's where I believe that R3 can fit in very well it's it's a service design based framework for brands as much as it is an entire framework for an msp thirdly this framework is still you know the market i have been pursuing from the start is startups it's certainly you know tuned to that but i think startups on their own are inherently kind of like companies that or teams that want to experiment want to kind of like figure stuff out so it's a little bit it's more of a kind of like, you know, educational thing. It could even be just an ebook for a startup because that's all they kind of like, that's the only guidance or kind of like basis that they want. They don't want a step-by-step -step formula. They don't want like a, an A to Z kind of like, you know, paint by numbers type thing. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking to experiment and push the envelope. So that's the startup community is a little bit special like that. But the framework still applies, but probably in a, in a more educational way, low low entry point kind of like low cost maybe you know books and maybe a, a small study guide type thing as opposed to being a support program for startups where with startups especially i mean there are they're all the accelerators that's what they're there for and then you know other things after that investors can help them sort of grow but this framework can help them at the very beginning that's kind of how i see that and then fourthly uh, aspiring entrepreneurs so if you're just thinking about launching something this is a great framework for you this is perfect this is going to give you a whole perspective on all the different things you're going to think about uh, it's going to give you this like you know landscape it's going to be able to give you that ability to put a work plan together uh, you know brainstorm with your team about how to do things before you get started and so that's it's going to be a fantastic thing for that so you're going to see quite a few changes in terms of what we're doing here in terms of R3, in terms of service design. Uh, using the framework, I'm plugging AI tools in all different aspects of that because different tools serve different needs. So we've got the framework plus AI, AI uh, tools, plus other tools like process mapping, other kind of tools like that, more, more traditional tools, non-AI driven, but just like really good tools, collaborative tools. Think of that equation so it's on my linkedin profile now is like the r3 framework plus ai tools plus tools in general like the more traditional ones is how you build your business to a million to ten million dollars you know that kind of like range and so that's a pretty exciting kind of like uh, kind of like positioning for me 
And process design within that is so important because that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the journey. We're talking about when someone comes across your brand and your, your product, what's the service they're going to get, right? Like if you think about any product that you have gone and trying to sign up for, you will know for sure that it's clunky, it's problematic, something doesn't work, a screen comes up, tells you that there was something missing, uh, you try to sign up, it tells you to use a different login, you go through five logins, then you've forgotten the login, then it doesn't work. This is all you know, a terrible experience, basically, for any new customer. Then you're talking, then when they're on board and you're having that, you know, and you're actually, you know, using the product, how easy is it to learn? What's the knowledge base? I mean, so many products that I'm using right now, I'm using a total of 30 different software tools to run what I'm doing. And, you know, all the time I'm going to the help section or I'm, you know, contacting support. And, you know, most of the time it's not very good, right? It's a terrible kind of like, it's a very clunky experience. It's very time consuming. Things don't really work. People sort of like say the wrong things. They say, well, we didn't experience that on our end, you know? So, you know, it's like these things are grossly kind of like, you know, problematic for people. And this can't remain that way, right? Over the next five years, especially 10 years, this has to become absolutely perfect, right? A company cannot survive anymore unless that service level is incredibly high. And so that's where R3 fits in. So that's about it for today. So, you know, we are in exciting times overall, whatever you're involved in, you know, hopefully you are too truly excited about the opportunities. There's never been a time in history where you could launch something and have access to a global market overnight, right? That just was never possible before. Nobody's really, I mean, not many people are really, you know, geared up to take advantage of that. And so that is what we need to change. We need to help you Take any idea, talk to customers, find that idea, find the, the market for that, get to market rapidly, get that, you know, out to the market and follow a sort of like, you know, defined process, which is proven to just like, you know, move really, really fast and be able to turn things around very quickly and not stumble, not get stuck, not not find that you've, you know, kind of like, you know, you are, are you know, trying to solve things that basically are not real problems. They're, they're things that you you just didn't know about, therefore you got stuck with them. But if you had known about them, they just wouldn't be problems, right? They would just like sail through. If you can remove all that friction, you know, you can get something done so fast. You could get something done in weeks, months, you know, so rapidly. And so that's what we're all fighting with. I mean, I, I've, you know, got my framework stuff to help with that, but I'm still coming across all the different sort of like, you know, friction points on the internet in terms of actually getting out to people because think, like I said, my Facebook account gets shut down, then TikTok gets, you know, something happens. And so these are all big friction points. We need to find a way to be able to remove all that friction for everybody to be able to get innovation going faster and in a better way. Lastly, just before I close, I want to mention two tools that I have found and I'm starting to use. This is part of the 30 that I mentioned that I'm using. One is called HyperWrite which is an amazing, you know, writing tool. So you just put the information, you put, you know, put, put, a, put a, a short, you know, kind of sentence in or a short string or a short thing about what you're doing. And, it, and it's going to write a post. It's going to, like, it's basically going to work like chat GPT, but the accuracy is incredible. And actually, I think the reason why there's a difference is because hyperwrite is based on the entire internet and as opposed to being something, you know, how, how it works is probably slightly different. But anyway, it's just an amazing tool. So I'm going to be really trying that out over the next month. As I say, it's called hyperwrite.ai. And the second tool is called Social Champ, which is a social media posting tool. I've looked at like five 
10 different ones. I like this one. It's actually recommended by Guy Kawasaki. So that's got to be a good thing. Um, so I'm going to be trying that out on their free trial, see how that goes. So that's it for today. If you really appreciate you being here once again, and anything that you'd love to talk about, just hit me up any way you want. Just like contact me, have a chat, learn about what you're doing, see if what we're doing here is going to help you in that and fast track your success. And, you know, I offer a variety of kind of like different ways to work with people. It's not expensive at the low end. We can work very closely at the high end, but you know, that's only for certain people who've got really big challenges and, and probably a bit of, bit of budget. So get in touch and, and let's chat. All right. Take care.